It's Thursday, September 21st on the Sleepers Podcast. I already like the vibes today. I'm just going to warn you right now. Uh, I asked Carter if he has word of the day before recording, and he took about 10 seconds to himself and then got real excited and said, yeah. So this bodes well. Fun topics today. Uh, We're going to talk about parody in college basketball again. We're going to talk about a big-time recruit, the biggest in a school's history that committed yesterday. And then we're going to talk a little college football. Week 4 preview. The newsletter is out I love the slate. I think that's why I'm excited. I think there's why there's vibes right now. It's like, I think I'm going to win 11 bets this weekend. I can't wait. How are you? Are you reciprocating my energy this morning? Oh, 100%. Because I feel like last week, the slate, we verbalized that not necessarily like we were scared of it or we didn't want to bet on it, but like it just wasn't, it wasn't there. Just to give you all guys a little insight into how we do the newsletter Usually it starts with just completely perusing the board and ones that pop out, you you circle it and you're like, hmm, that's interesting. Wonder why that line is at that point. Basically saying like, I love that. Want to look more into that. When I did that last week, I think I circled maybe one, maybe one game, probably the Michigan State spread. And that obviously we saw what happened with that this week. That was not the case. There was lines, there was games across the board that, I me and Greg truly loved. Uh, so I'm very excited for this week's slate. And just as a fan, just fire, fire ass games across the board, like all day. I'm not doing anything Saturday. My calendar's cleared. Yeah, it's a two TV day. I didn't even move the the second TV stand back in the basement midweek, which I normally do. This has just been like, let's set the tone. We're gonna leave it up all week. Uh, it should be fun. We're gonna, like I said, we want to talk college football, not just betting college football, like a mix of of betting and actual uh, just excitement for the game. So that'll be our third topic today. If you only come to us for college basketball, don't worry, you're still getting your fill of that. But uh, hopefully you in, allow us, indulge us in our college football love because this is a great week, man. It really, truly is. Uh, it, Carter's word of the day will be ongoing. So play along at home. If you're listening to this, we'll, we'll see if we can guess that at the end of the show. And we start every episode, as always, with comments. Before we do comments, though, before we uh, do your YouTube comment of the day and then the discords, uh, can we just acknowledge that we've been spilling some tea? We've been sharing some secrets in the discord this week. I, I mean, I feel like you're the one who has to speak on that. Are, you're not happy with me for my behavior in the Discord last night? I feel like like no comment, no little emoji added to any of my comments in there. You, you well, kinda, well I, I knew about it. You're kind of ghost town when when this conversation comes up. Okay, no comment. That's the official Carter Elliott comment. All right. Like I said, I'm not, not after one... Thing here i'm after multiple things here uh there, there's secrets being spilled is the point in fact to read a specific person who does pay for the discords comment in response to this uh this is from keith johnson he says these are the secrets we are paying for in the discord with a 100 emoji so uh yeah a little inside information a little tea being spilt this week won't be the first or the last time that we do that in the discord if you need another reason to join the discord but first to you What's your favorite YouTube comment of the day? Good YouTube day yesterday as far as comments go. You have a lot to choose from. I do. It's, so, Greg, uh, are we making any changes? Can I choose from other videos or should I just choose from the main? I feel like I got to stay strong 
I think you can choose from anything at this point because I, I started realizing if we're not reading every comment from one video, comments on any video is the same as one video for us now. So I think you just pick your favorite one in that 24 hour span. Okay. All right. I'll do that. Uh, my quick comment that we don't even have to address, but I just wanted to be known. Diet Snapple said, I keep getting pulled in by these Illinois picks in the thumbnails. We actually talked about Terrence Shannon Jr. and Coleman in there. Diet, take a peek at it. I'm carrying water for you guys. Also, Eve Hines said, your hair looks great. We love Eve. Eve, original sleepers, original sleepwalker, honestly, made yeah. all this go for anyone who wants to give her her prop she she does all that that makes us visually appealing with greg but to use uh to, to to use a word from your favorite show cousin 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 <laughs> uh okay okay so this comment comes from rube and it was on our best duo in college basketball and it got me thinking greg because i think he has a point with this one okay if you're a coach and you get offered rj davis and Armando Baycott or Edie and Braden Smith, you're picking Davis and Baycott. Come on now. Aren't most coaches taking RJ Davis and Armando Baycott? No, I don't think they are. See, I I, I think if, if we went, you know, Norlander anonymous coaches poll of a hundred coaches asking them apple juice or orange juice and then asking them RJ Davis and Armando Baycott or Zach Eady and Braden Smith. I truly think it would be like not a math podcast. Of course, I think it'd be like 60% Armando and RJ, maybe 65% Armando and AJ, RJ, sorry. So you think it'd be like 70% orange juice, 60% Armando, 40%. Ed thirty percent apple juice is that where we're at on the polls? I I just think that it would be a majority of the coaches would actually pick Armando and okay. RJ. I don't. I think we should put this to the test. Uh, we well, I'm not anymore. I left the group chat. Um, by the way, I don't know what my stance is on that. I'm not like actively. I'm not going to text anybody asking for back into the group chat. But if someone added me back to the group chat, I wouldn't leave the group chat right now. So I'm kind of in limbo as far as the the big scrapple basketball group chat goes. But um, I think, yeah, one of us should ask that. I want to poll people because those are the bright minds in college basketball. And there's a lot of different demographics in that group chat. Like we, we've got youthful media members. We've got older media members. So I'd be interested on in what it is. I think you're underestimating how many people would just pick Edie, though. Like I, I think the gap between Edie and Armando is a lot bigger than the gap between RJ Davis and Braden Smith, even if RJ is really good. And back to yesterday's conversation, even like the the exercise we did yesterday, Cart, was not who are the best two players that a coach would pick. The the exercise was what's the best duo with some story behind it. Like I think you could make it Zach Edie and any other Purdue starter. And the coaches would probably take Zach Eady and the other Purdue starter over this. So like, I'm not saying they were disqualified from it, but there's no re like the duo on Purdue would be Smith and lawyer. To me, those guys came in together. They're connected for a reason. Edie is singular. Edie isn't part of a duo. Edie and anyone you want to put him on a court with is going to be more valuable because he's Zach Eady. He is singular. So I appreciate yeah, the comment there. there to but. use your word, there's no narrative with that duo. Yeah, or not not even about a narrative though. Like he's he's singular. He's one of one. 
Like Edie is not part of a duo. It would be like, like Batman and Robin are a duo. Batman and who's like a really small level Batman guy. <laughs> I'm not a superhero movie guy. Somebody help me out here. But like, I mean, if we're, <laughs> if you really want to spiral off into something, Batman is literally one of the worst superheroes of all time. Duos have to like complement each other and like have value to each other. Like no offense to Braden Smith. He, he makes Zach Eadie's life easier in a lot of ways, but like, it's not, Zach Eady and Braden. It's Zach Eady and whoever you want there. That's not a duo. That's a best player. If we do a list of best players, Eady would be there. So, can I have 15 seconds to just state my superhero claims? <laughs> just 15. Take take more time than 15. No, all, all I need is this. Okay. Batman is one of the coolest superheroes because of his gear and like his whips and things like that and his crib. It's crazy. It's unreal. But if I'm in trouble, and I'm calling someone, Batman's last on the list, probably. Like, I'm calling Batman, and at any time, he gets a flat tire, and I'm dead, and he's waiting on AAA. That sucks. Spider-Man has no grit, no dog to him. Literally, his uncle got touched up by somebody, and he didn't do anything. Like, he, all he did was, like, go on a revenge tour. If he was really a superhero, his uncle doesn't get touched. Superman, on the other hand, can only be killed by something that's a million miles away on a planet that no one can get to besides him. That's why Superman is the best superhero of all time. So you're saying that Batman is the Mel Tucker of superheroes? He's just, he's all he's catchphrase. A, he's yeah, all he's gadgets. A sling, he's a slingshot. He's gadgets. He's catch. He's cars at the 50 yard line, Instagram posts, ooh, visuals. But when it really gets down to it, we need to win a football game. It really needs to get down to it. You need to beat a villain. Batman's not your go-to. Yeah. Okay. Give me Superman. Also, I mean, didn't Batman kind of let his pants get in the way of? I think there's a parallel there. I mean, Batman is definitely amongst the horniest of probably superheroes. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm saying. Okay. All right. Fun, fun take there. I like that. I appreciate your your thoughts there. Your input. Um, much more than 15 seconds, by the way, not a math podcast, <laughs> about a minute 45 from you. I appreciate it. It was good stuff, but, uh, just saying, so are we done with comments? <laughs> Did we address the RJ? Did you text the group? By the way, I saw you text. I'm, I'm texting him right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll update as the episode goes along. Yeah. Send me a handwritten note since that's the only way I get a uh, scrapple update. Send you a Raven. Yeah, go ahead. Thank you. Okay, uh, to the Discord we move next. Again, I keep plugging the Discord, but you guys should join. It's a fun spot. It supports us, and we enjoy it. A uh, lot of discussion yesterday. Obviously, I said I was spilling some secrets, but um, there was a lot more discussion than just that yesterday as well. Uh, yesterday's episode dropped a little bit late, so I might have to jump around in the comments here. I said we'll read every single one. I don't know if some of these are meant to be read, though. I think we had a couple of comments in the comments thread that people were like, please don't read that. So I'm going to use my discretion here as best as I can. Travis Nelson says he's a big Baby Blue fan, so he really supports the Creighton movement. Are you in on Baby Blue as a color the way I am, Cart? Uh, no, no, because I don't think it goes very well with my skin tone. Ah, okay. Yeah. Especially, I, especially like during basketball season, it's usually typically during like the winter. And like I change colors, like as a as a mixed man, you know, during the summer and the warm months, I I have a nice little, you know, caramel macchiato look tone to me. 
Um, I trend more towards like a, a overcooked sugar cookie once it gets to like the winter months. So baby blue doesn't necessarily make make me pop like I want to pop. I, I need dark colors during this time. What is your color? Do you have a color? Do I have a color? Yeah, like do you have a color that you said baby blue doesn't make you pop? What makes you pop? What's Carter Elliott's color? Probably black. Okay. I feel like if if black is your color as a person, I think that usually means you're like a good looking person. Like you don't you don't need razzle dazzle. You're just like, I am what I am, man. I think that's I'll nice. Take, yeah. Do, also, do you have a season? You talked about like in winter, the the complexion changes a little bit. I've been a, a firm believer for years that every human being has a season where they are like ninety percent more attractive than they are in the three other. Seasons. Oh, fall. Fall for you? Yeah, easily. Because I still I like. From clothes to mood to just everything about fall. If I could make fall, if there's a place where it's fall all year round, I would live there. Okay. Wow. Uh so you're you're in the middle of your peak right now. Yeah. Seasonally. Be, yeah, be be scared of me. A lot of people should be. Uh, I'm glad I'm aligned with you, to be honest. I uh, My season is winter, for the record, but I strongly believe every human being on Earth, whether they realize it or not, has a three-month period of the year where you just are like 90% more attractive than you normally are to the rest of the world. Winter, for sure. For me, everybody gets in turtlenecks, uh, <laughs> like long sleeve shirts. That's my vibe. Big winter hat guy, too, by the way. Okay, Fam says he loved Creighton last year, and he does coming into this year as well. His main concern with Ashworth is that that man is an absolute liability on the defensive end. Solid on the offensive side, though. You got any Ashworth Creighton comments? I think I want, like, a 10-game not or Give me the non-conference stretch to, like, watch Ashworth with Creighton. Because I don't know if I can really judge him off what I saw at Utah State. That yeah. sense. I think the nice thing about Ashworth is he doesn't need to be the guy like he all he needs to do is shoot the ball well and be like a fun compliment to Trey Alexander. And I'm not worried about him as like a liability for Creighton. So first first response to the chat, the duo with two good players and not just one. Who said that? Uh, the, the Orange Theory Horror. Yeah, I I would have guessed that. That's ridiculous. I don't understand the Braden Smith disrespect. Um, okay. Uh, moving on, Illini Trav shared a very long story that I'm not going to get into, but uh, this is where the secret spilling came from last night. So a lot of gossip and uh, stories behind some of our favorite college basketball players that no one publicly would know about. Fascinating stuff. Thank you for sharing, Illini Trav. Ulamog, uh, well, Alina asked us to keep it off the pod, so we respected your wishes there. Ulamog says, will you guys be commenting on the Almanac Top 100, or is it not kosher because it's paywalled material? Is it is it paywall material? Aren't they actually releasing that, though? Like, they're releasing the Top 100, or they just release a couple players? Uh, yeah, I'm releasing it, so <laughs> I... Uh, I basically run the field of 68 socials. There's other people with access, but uh, like on a day to day, as far as like what's our intended posts, I'm pretty much the only one with a plan there right now. And uh, yes, we are, we are going through the top 105 at a time for the next couple of weeks. Uh, we can comment on it for sure. I think if there's like a specific player we think is in a really wrong spot, we would probably do a segment about it on sleepers, but I am just, uh, 
I guess, for mutual interest purposes. I'm not trying to reveal too much about the Almanac's content because I I want people to buy the Almanac. That's a genuine appreciation for that. Um, but I think maybe we give it like a couple weeks, maybe a month in, then it starts to become, okay, everybody's seen the Almanac. We can kind of deep dive on some of these things and pick out what we agree or disagree with because there is a lot of potential content in there to talk about based on what the experts came up with. So one of our segments today does kind of get pulled out from that. We don't reveal too much, but um, there's some takeaways I have that are really interesting. D Rose SAT commented and said he thinks they're releasing the top 100 players for free on social. We are doing that. Great spot by D Rose. Um, I'm going to scroll down through here because this a lot of comments back to Illini Trav's story here, which we don't want to get into the weeds of, but uh, someone in the Discord speculated, do we have a Caleb Love and RJ Davis situation going on here? So those those types of secrets are the ones that are being spilled. Um, I took a shot at Tristan quickly. Uh, somebody said, maybe those, you are, tell those are always those are some of my favorite Discord moments. If you give us a social security number, it'll help us remember as a joke from Tristan. And then I sent Pitt's records for a six year stretch that <laughs> listed out kind of look like a social number because it's like 11 and 21, 10 and 12, 14 and 19. Uh, Tristan asked, which of these records will Michigan basketball end up with? And then further down, um, I'll get to it later, but somebody wanted an actual Michigan record projection from me. Do you want to go first here? Do you have a projection for Michigan basketball's record wins and losses this season? Mm, so I would have to actually go through the schedule and actually like, look, I haven't looked at the schedule close enough, but I'll say this as a generalization. I think that Michigan makes the tournament this year. I think they'll, I think they'll do enough because I'm banking on the fact that they're going to buy into what they are. And I think it's going to be a team that's going to win games that are, nasty and like dirty like in the 60s type games um and i think they find a way to squeak their way into the tournament with that and though i mean if you think about it like last year the problem with the acc uh looking to other conferences was you didn't have a chance for quad one wins on a night-to-night basis all you, you like on a night-to-night basis you could lose two you could have a quad three win or like a quad three loss but nothing that could like shake you one way or the other I think that they'll be able to get and pick up a lot of quality wins in the Big Ten. And it's such a grueling schedule, and it, so many things happen during the Big Ten season. So I'm not saying they're going to be like a, a bona fide, like for sure tournament team, but I think they like make the tournament, not like playing type level or stressing on Selection Sunday. I'm shocked this is your stance. Uh, I think you're higher on Michigan than I am, which is a flip, but I appreciate honest assessment. Well, it, well last thing on it, because I was just like going through the lineup, just just as a starting five. Mm-hmm. And without diving too deep into it and without looking at like, you know, obviously what three spot is going to be, I'm leaving that completely out. I'm not even project. I think Trey Jackson is not going to be that good. Okay. So that's, that's also part of my thing. And I don't think Terrence Williams is going to be that good outside of that. A lineup of Doug McDaniel, Namari Burnett, and then whatever, whoever you put out there, I don't even know. Uh, Olivier and and Terrence Reed. That's a good, that's a good starting lineup. It is. It's a good four guys like that. Yeah. This, is, this is my issue. I, I said this. To I, the board, I, so I think right. good. I think good four guys Mm-mm. who are good defensively Mm-mm. can do enough. 
it, it truly hinges on like is Trey Jackson an upgrade from Terrence Williams though? Because I'm telling you, like, look, some of these pieces didn't fit and they were horrible defensively because of them. But like, you don't go from Hunter Dickinson, Jed Howard, Kobe Bufkin, and that team being bad because they had a, a fifth starter who couldn't play to Namari Burnett, Olivier Kahn with Terrace Reed and a fifth starter who still can't play. Like that you, your team doesn't magically get better with a harder schedule when you lose those three really good players and replace them with guys you hope are good when you still have the same gaping hole. Like if they if they had somebody I know that we like shit on this at the time, but like if Jose Perez was Michigan's three, I feel way better about this. Like, OK, but but OK, but also like last year's games, a lot of them came down to and you probably have the numbers on top of your head, one possession games where Jet blows it and or and or Hunter blows it. What and if or, all of a sudden or Kobe blows it? Kobe blew the and or Kobe game. blows it. Like, so what if your what if your prodigal son Doug McDaniel becomes the closer? I think Doug is better suited to be that than anybody okay. on Michigan's all roster right. was. So last then you year, flip a couple sure. wins to your direction in that case. Look, it's possible. I think uh I can't believe I have to like play devil's advocate on why I don't think Michigan's gonna be good here. But like I <laughs> It, they have to be great defensively, not even good. They have to be like a top 10 defensive team in the country. If they are that, then I can buy, okay, this is a feisty little scratch and claw their way to the tournament team. Um, there is no world where this team is like 30th defensively and they make the tournament. There's just not. They don't have enough offensively. Uh, Com was going to be asked to do too much more than he's capable of. The best hope offensively is Doug becomes a superstar. And I think there's a chance that happens. I think it'll happen down the line for sure if it doesn't happen this year. But it's hard, man. They've been playing four on five for over a year. And yeah. now they're playing four on five with worse players in the four. So yeah. I, I, I I thought you would join in a little bit on it with, with the Michigan, you know, praise, I guess. But the main point that I want to take away is I think people are just a little bit too low on this team. Yeah. There could be a lot worse players in this starting lineup than if you were looking at it, how people are looking at it from the outside. I don't know. I just think that it's a it's better. It's a better situation than people lead it on to be. Here's a take. I think Michigan's top four players are one of the four best top fours in the big time. They just have the worst fifth guy and the worst. Like, I don't like their bench at all. So from five through 13. I think this team's Minnesota, but from one through four, I think this team's arguably better than like Illinois and Indiana at one through four. Um, like I'm buying Com was the top seven guy in the league. Uh, I love Namari Burnett as their fourth guy. Terrace Reed and Doug are both breakout guys to me who have no like competition for their roles. So I don't know. I there's a world you're right, but I, I just think it's way too much to overcome the guy. And if I if I had to put a record on it. Based on the schedule, I think eight and twelve in conference play would almost be a success for this roster, which is crazy. Um, but that's uh, if they're eight and twelve, hard to make the tournament because you're probably going to lose three to four non-conference games. So we'll see. They got work to do. It could happen, but uh, odds are stacked against them based on the schedule. Matt F says, listening to the vodka Red Bull talk coming home from work. Were you boys old enough for the original recipe for Loco that was taken off the market after like six months? Better off hitting a crack pipe than one of those. I feel like you definitely were. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. Because I didn't, I didn't drink at all in high school. Uh, just never, never indulged anything like that. So my first drink was when I got to college, and I always tell this story. 
Uh, my point guard, you know him obviously very well, Zachary Hurth, Lansing legend, Lansing Catholic legend, career 45% three-point shooter. Don't you ever forget it. Don't leave that man open. I get there and I don't know anything about like what to do with alcohol or how to buy it or what even to do. Like my parents didn't drink. I had no knowledge of what to do. And I'm in college. I didn't have a lot of money either. So I was like, I can't like buy whatever these fists of liquor or whatever these people are buying. And he shows me this large tall boy can that's $2 and 75 cents. And he's like, if you have one or two of these, you'll get to where you need to go. And I was like, all right, so $5 and I can, you know, get, get done what I need to get done. Bet, say less. That thing was so dangerous. And it introduced me also to hangovers, which is a God awful thing. But yeah, my first experience with four locos were man, they got the job done, man, they were cheap. And good Lord, the day after you had them, you felt absolutely terrible. Yeah, I never had one. Uh, they they were around me. People that I hung out with and taught me how to drink in college uh, drank them. I did not. Um, I was a, if you want like my disgusting, gross drink thing, I was like a just straight up Burnett's guy for probably a year and a half. Uh, would sometimes do the cherry Burnett's with like cherry Coke as a chaser, but uh, like you, I did not drink in high school. I never had a sip of alcohol until college. And then it was like, didn't dip my toe in. It was like dive, dive you, you in. Always, you, you always used to see some wild things from like students and what they do. Like there was a whole get the, the peppermint schnapps and like chase it with the, the, the fudge or something. And it tastes like a thin mint. Yeah. Yeah. The worst thing ever was th- these guys on the football team, the defensive linemen, they used to do this thing called Brass Monkey. You get an OE of like a, a 40 of old English, drink half of it. And then once you drink half of it, pour orange juice in it to fill it up back up to the top and drink it again. Still to this day, the last time that I threw up drinking alcohol. And that was back in 2014. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I Like, obviously we enjoy a good drink. We are now mature drinkers in our age, responsible drinkers, I would say. But one of my strong beliefs now that I'm entering the world of parenthood, this is going to sound kind of awful, but, um, I pretty strongly believe that like as a parent, you should teach your child responsible drinking habits, even possibly at a young age. Like I'm not going to endorse, like I'm not bringing my daughter drinks or anything like that, but like it, you, it would be much safer for your child, for the parent to teach them how to drink than it would be for Louis Savona to teach them how to drink. I was, I was just going to say my mom and my people wonder why I gave my mom and dad a a B minus. (laughs) Didn't teach me how to drink, handed me over to Zach Hurth. And, you know, that's where that goes. Man, I show up at that. Yeah, I can remember the apartment party very specifically. Lewis is going to teach me how to drink tonight. How did that go? I don't remember much from the next 12 months. So uh, moving on, Basketball Jones says he thinks the drink Greg was thinking of is a Jaeger bomb, Jaegermeister and Monster. Yeah, that was definitely it. Disgusting. I would only drink that when already heavily intoxicated and, uh, it was a heart attack. It felt like I was having a heart attack while drinking that drink. You ever I had one? Jaeger. I love Jaeger bombs. I can't. I can't do it. I don't get it. Um, Heath Johnson has given us a lot of really thought-provoking stuff in the comment section the last couple of days. So shout out to you, Keith. Thank you for uh, everything you're doing in the Discord right now. But he says, great discussion on the blue wall, but you missed the one word that is the cause of all of it. That word is access. 
The reason why the media panders to coaches and administration is because they want access to inside stories, rumors, exclusive interviews. There's no way to solve the media problem without addressing the access problem. I'd love to know if you have any ideas on how that could be fixed because I can't really think of one. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's a fixable problem, like he said. I think it's a, it's it's foundationally what the media is and yeah. how it is. It's I, I don't think there's any fixing it to be honest. So I I don't think there's fixing it, uh, but I do think there is opportunity for a wave of change here. Um, like th- there will be no fixing like beat writers who cover the team because beat writers who cover the team have to pander to their reading audience by giving them things they like. And they have to pander to the coaches who give them access to these stories, right? That's like, you, you just can't do that job without being a beam of positivity, no matter what happens. The difference here is that as newspapers die, suddenly there's opportunity for people like you and me to actually be media like that this wasn't a thing 10 years ago this was barely a thing three years ago so like i i really do i think there's a world where like influential voices in college sports can come from people who don't have access like and you have to know how to do certain things that we know how to do and maybe not everybody knows how to do them but my hope would be as time goes on and newspapers continue to die that digital media is the world. These are the voices that cover sports and you don't need access to do it. You don't, you don't like access helps. It helps us do cool things. Um, But I think we can be more honest as media. If, if we're not reliant on getting a backstage pass from somebody that we're covering and we can be objective about it. Yeah. And we'll continue to do that until we have the opportunity to sell out. The immediately selling out the moment. Yeah, I, you, the switch up when someone offers us. I, I say this every single day. The one chance I get to sell out, I'm selling out immediately. And I hope yeah. you're with me. Absolute truth. Uh, Travis was the one who said, what do you envision the record being for Michigan? He says it's hard to tell from how you talk them and the love for Doug and Terrace. He also says he can see a 24 and seven MSU record. That feels about right for me. I think I'd set the MSU over under at seven and a half wins or losses. And I'd probably take the under personally. Michigan's over under for losses is it's gotta be 14 on the I mean, no half. What was the rec- what was the record last year? Michigan? Yeah. I believe they had 16 losses counting the NIT loss. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All I mean, right. but they like the thing is, Michigan was right there with two weeks left. And I know that sounds like fandom stupid shit, but like they just they had a disaster final two weeks, whereas the year before they had a almost perfect final two weeks. They won a game at Ohio State without Hunter yeah. <laughs> and everything looked really good. Um, maybe it was without Devontae Jones. I don't know. I'm getting it all mixed up. Ulamog says he's in need of advice again. He's got tickets to the Michigan State-Maryland game Saturday. The problem is he'd rather go to a bar, watch the other ranked matchups, than CMSU get smoked again. How do I tell my friends I've got better things to do? Um, You know what? I'm going to take this one first. Honesty. Honesty. And Greg taught me this one. Just be straight up and tell them that. Tell them exactly what you just told us in that message and just let them know. And if they're true boys, friends, companions, what you expect, they'll respect that movement. And honestly, I respect that movement, too. Like, as great as going to the game would be, it's going to be great weather, Spartan Stadium. They got alcohol now. Hopefully our team will compete. Uh, there's so many good games on that you don't want to miss. So I I respect the move. I would go with the bar move. I agree with that. Uh, I want to call you out because I don't think you are good at practicing honesty when you're ducking plants. 
I'm working on it. You are working on it. I just, I think that's one of the strongest things on Carter Elliott's resume is like, he's going to make up excuses that may or may not exist when he ducks out of a plan. Well, I had to stop doing that because I've actually had excuses and now people don't believe him. It's like the boy that cried wolf. Yeah. And, you know, and in, in recent weeks or whatever, there was actually like some serious things that happened. And but I was looking at it from if someone heard it on the outside, they'd be like, there's no way Carter's not making up this story. But I truly wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I give you credit for going the honest route here. That's impressive. Given your your resume, resume people changing people. Are you me a liar? Not a liar, because you don't you don't straight up lie. You just like like it, it's with minor plans. It's not like I've never had a real issue with you ever in our 10 plus years of friendship and co-ownership of Sleepers Media. Like there hasn't been a real issue. And if there is a real issue, we talk about it. But yeah, in like little moments of like, oh, we're going to hang out this weekend or our our families are going to get together or I don't know, like we're, we're going to go. There's been little moments where it's like, I'm pretty sure Cart's just making some bullshit up to get out of this and. You like you could just tell me you don't want to, and I would never give you an issue for that, <laughs> ever. Yeah, I'm working on. It, like I said, we do need like an actual blow up. I feel like every duo no. has some type of blow up. We, we need don't need a blow up. Let it. Can we? Can we go like seven more years before the blow up? At least, like, can we both like make enough money off this before we have to break up? <laughs> Please. I, I don't want to break up. I just want. I just some adversity, a little blow up. Just want to fight. Yeah. I'll. I'll. No, I don't want to fight because I'm I'm too petty and I don't want to take shots at you. I like when we're taking shots at other people. That's very true. If you ever did want to be petty with me and turn on me, the material you have and the the hate in your heart that you have would cut me so deep. You you are great at it too. Like you're very violent. We don't I don't think either one of us want to be turned on by the other one, which probably makes this work. Chill. Uh <laughs> <laughs> that is wild that was not that wild to the end of this uh you said you might get canceling plans and doing nothing is one of my favorite hobbies you said you might get that tatted yeah i there's so many like you know how people ask you like what are your plans this weekend and they expect you to come with like a great story about these great plans that you do there's no better feeling than telling someone I got nothing this weekend i have no plans i have no obligations i don't want any obligations there's nowhere I need to be this weekend. I can just do whatever. And it's the greatest feeling ever. The most excited moments I've had in the last couple months, other than like cute fatherhood moments here, have been when you've texted me or I've hit you up like, what are you doing today on a Saturday? And you're like, Meg's out of town. I have nothing. I'm getting a pizza later. Like I, yes. I get so fired up when I just yes. know that that's your setting. Like it does so much for my energy. It's incredible. It's uh, and final thing on this, I just want to say, I, I would do what Carter said. Be honest. You shouldn't feel guilty. It is what it is. If I were you, I would rather watch the other games than go to a Michigan State game in person. But that is largely because of one thing. It's not even Michigan State specific. It's this. I think the experience of watching football games in person stinks. I think it is one of the worst live sporting events you can go to. They're too long. I know they've, they're trying to make rule changes that speed them up. There's stops every four minutes for no reason for TV timeouts. Everybody's just standing around unless it's like a perfect weather day at a venue that allows you to buy beverages it's not fun. Like you're, you're always cramped. If it's full, you're actually like sitting on top of people. And I like the fun football games I've been to have been like top 10 teams in the country where this game matters. 
I've never left a matchup of unranked teams and been like, I had a blast at that football game. I'd much rather watch it on TV and power hour while doing so with two of my friends. Yeah. Respect that. But also baseball is absolutely the worst sport to watch live. See, I, I disagree with that. And I'm not a baseball guy. I'd rather watch a football game than a baseball game a thousand times out of a thousand. But being in a baseball park is so much more fun of a game day experience for me than like, a non top 25 football game. Yeah. I disagree with you on that one. Okay. All right. Uh, we got a couple more here. Great comments day today. Malik Perry says the team is in a not so good spot, but also they were up against a really good team. The first half will determine how things go. Uh, that's Michigan state football. I believe he's talking about. I think so. Were we up in the first half? Uh, no, he said they were up against a really good, like they were just playing a really good team. Oh, Okay. Yeah, Man. Washington's good. And then he says, he tagged me and said, still talking about Aikens being the third wheel. I think our non-conference schedule should be a little harder. Or No, he says, I think our non-schedule should be a little harder, but hopefully we are a good team. Uh, I don't fully know what you're trying to say there, Malik. I apologize for that. But if you're talking about non-conference, the schedule's easier than it was last year. Uh, I, think, I think maybe he's asking for it to be harder. Oh. Like he wants to be tested more, maybe. I love that energy. If that's what's going on, Malik said, "Yeah, I, be, I mean, stars. respect, respect, but completely out on that though." And uh, Aikens is the third wheel. It is what it is. Like, what what do you want from me? He's the third wheel. It's the best it's third wheel. Best third, best third wheel in the country. He's a good third wheel for sure. Is no, I want I want you to call Jay Aikens the best third wheel in the country. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's a principle that this this foundation of the show has been built upon. Who's a, who's a better third wheel? Kevin McCullers a way better player than Jay Nakins. Way Hell better. no. Way better. Mm-mm. Way better. Dude, what does Kevin McCullers do better than Jay Nakins? Play basketball. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Do do whoever you want to pick as Duke's third best player. It's probably like Jeremy Roach. He's a lot better than Jay Nakins. Um. I mean, we can go down the list if you want. Like, who's North Carolina's third best player? Paxson Wojcik, Elliot Cadell, Harrison Ingram, Harrison Ingram, or Jaden Akins? Do you want more? Like, he's a good player. This guy, guys, I can't believe I have to be the person to break this to Michigan State. He's never scored more than nine points a game, and it's it's not about ability. It's that he's the third wheel. That's it. Like Jay Nagins might score 15 a game if he was in a spot to do so. He's just not. So let's be honest about it. We don't got to lie about it. Tristan gives an all Big Ten transfer squad. Some fun names in here. Lauren Bowman, DJ Carton, Pierre Brooks, Alonzo Gaffney, Kudus Wahab. How many games are they winning? That team stinks. (laughs) Straight up. I love DJ Carton. I, I do he, love DJ Carden. I loved him a lot. I wish the idea of DJ Carden would have been even greater. But, I don't really um, get why DJ Carden didn't work. To be, I know it's it was anxiety. It was Michael Beasley issues. I believe. Was it actually with Was it actually with him? I'm pretty sure he had either anxiety or some real mental health stuff. But um, yeah, I he was. I have a list of like guys that, in my opinion, were make or break misses for John Beeline through the years. DJ Carden was absolutely one of them. Tyus Battle was absolutely one of them. Uh, Devin Booker at the time was crushing. I was crushed. Were you crushed by losing Jalen Wilson? 
No, because I understood it. If Jalen Wilson had decommitted while Beeline was still there, it would have been crushing. Okay. But and, um, and and you're just talking Beeline, so like Josh Christopher doesn't factor into this, right? Christopher was crushing, but Christopher was just a he was just toying with me personally. I honestly okay. respect it. <laughs> it's a pretty crazy move by him. Um, I think that's it for today. I think that's all the content. Great job, Discord. Way to power us through a Thursday show today. Hope you guys are having fun in the Discord. We're having a lot of fun getting to know all you guys a little more. And uh, just in the time we started this episode, I see a couple new people have joined, which is great. Although, again, I think they've they've joined and not paid. Why do people join and not pay, Cart? If you're even going to join, are they just hoping we're lying and that you don't want to pay? Can you join, not pay, and still see the newsletter? No. Huh. But that, like we're very upfront about the fact that you have to pay. So I don't understand why someone would join and then get to the point where they have to pay and then not pay. I don't understand. Yeah. That doesn't make much sense. to me. Do they just think we like, do they think we're dumb enough to say you have to pay, but you don't have to pay and they're just hoping they're right. I mean, could you blame someone for thinking that? No, that's <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and try. Okay. Ah, <sighs> deep breaths. Let's get to our first topic of the day. This does come from the Almanac a little bit. Uh, Last year, parody was the story of college basketball. I feel like we talked about it 100,000 times in various ways. It felt like anybody could win. It felt like there wasn't a dominant team. Alabama was number one. Purdue was number two for much of the season, in and out. You just don't know what's going to happen. March is going to be crazy. And then we got to March, and March was crazy. Like, surprise, surprise, we ended up with San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, and Miami in the final four and a UConn team that was like fringe top 10 coming into the tournament. Uh, I don't think anybody expected that type of chaos, but last year that was college basketball. It made sense that we got to the final four and the final four made no sense based on last season. This season feels a lot different. And I want to dive into this more because at the top of everybody's preseason polls, I think you've really got four teams. I think you've got Kansas, you've got Duke, you've got Purdue, you've got Michigan state. And then some people would make arguments for other teams they like, for Marquette, for Creighton, for UConn, potentially a bunch of teams in the Big East. You can go down the list, and there's other reasons. There's there's guys that aren't in that top four you could argue should be. But it's really four dominant teams. And that feels new compared to last season, number one. I like that we think there's some great teams in college basketball again. But the guys who wrote the Almanac, uh, I, I think are kind of expecting this to be like, blue bloods versus the field based on their final four predictions. And I wasn't expecting that even with that group of top four, I thought there'd be a little more variation between Michigan state and Purdue. Everybody basically thinks this is Duke or Kansas versus the field. I think based on the numbers, I want to read a couple numbers. Again, you should buy the almanac to get the whole data details, all of this on the specifics of who picked what, but they had 12 experts give final four picks nine of the 12 picked either Duke or Kansas to win the national title. So 75% of the guys who wrote the Almanac think it's Duke or Kansas. 11 of the 12 had Kansas in the final four. So like we're at a point where everyone thinks Kansas is that much ahead of the field. Like it's, it's a lock almost that they're in the final four. And Duke was actually the most likely champion. Kansas, four people picked to win Duke, five people picked to win. Uh, the only thing I would know outside of those two, Michigan State got two picks to win. But based on the numbers, it really feels like everyone is kind of teeing this up as it's Duke or Kansas, and then it's the field. Do you believe that that is the right way to frame this college basketball season? There's two elite teams 
that should have a clear advantage on winning it all versus everybody else? Or do you think it should be something different? No, I, I really don't think that it, it should be like that because I think there's question one, there's question marks with both those teams. I think that if you're going to put those teams in that category, yes, every college basketball team is going to have some type of question marks. There's really no such thing as a perfect team. But if they're getting this type of, you know, traction and votes across, you know, uh, unanimous, unanimous, unanimously across the writers who did the Almanac, it just seems to me like they're just saying these are the perfect teams. They're going to cakewalk to a Final Four, and one of those two teams is going to win. And I just don't see that. Um, you know, we talk about Duke. John Shire, I think, is a good coach. I truly do. But he's also in his second year and hasn't faced any type of adversity yet leading up until this point. I mean, he might have faced a little bit last year when Tyrese Proctor wasn't playing to the level that people expected. But, you know, like we spoke about on a couple episodes ago, there's there's a world where second second year coaches in the ACC, they, they bottom out a little bit. It could happen. There's questions with this Duke team. A lot of mouths to feed as well. Kansas, they have their own issues to address. I mean, you talk about how Hunter Dickinson can't be the main guy on a team. I, you know, they, they're they already losing a guy in Arterio Morris who looks like he's probably getting kicked out of school for the stuff he has going on. So I, I don't know. I just feel like there should be a little bit more uh, reservations about just booking those teams into the Final Four. Like, it's just going to be a cakewalk. Okay. I agree. Um, and I, I, I would have Kansas as the preseason number one. I think I'd have Purdue number two. I think I'd have Duke three. And I, I've said I think it's three teams, and then there's a slight drop to Michigan State, and then there's a big drop outside of that top four. But I do I do think Michigan State's a half step behind those three. I'm just surprised Purdue didn't get more here. And uh, I know a lot of these guys do have their doubts, as we do, on what does Matt Painter do in March. I, it's a fair conversation to ask, but – I also think a lot of the people that worked on the Almanac are on the correct, in my opinion, side of Purdue's going to figure it out. They don't have a major institutional issue here. It was just one game, and they've made some really great additions this offseason. So it was surprising the numbers didn't back that up to me. Like, uh, it, it's like they're, they're very underrepresented, Purdue is. No, no one picked UConn either, huh? Nobody picked UConn, which surprised me big time. Um, but I get like, I don't know. There's always going to be like weird ones that are just like not represented because it's only 12 people. It's a small enough sample size. I'm more like my big shock is I just haven't, I haven't framed this season in my head as if it's Duke and Kansas versus the field. And I feel like it's a fair takeaway to look at who all these guys are picking for the final four and conclude that, well, this segment of 12 college basketball geniuses who worked super hard on previewing every team in the country think it's Duke or Kansas versus the field. And that's just, that's not how I see it. Uh, Michigan state did get two votes to win. So at least there's somebody else, but you could even lump Michigan state into this and say it's Duke or Kansas or Michigan state versus the field. And I would think that's incorrect here. Like I I think Marquette should have some votes more than they do. I think Purdue should have a lot more votes in here than they do. I think UConn should have been represented somewhere. And look, none of these guys individually should base their picks on who other people are picking. It's your final four picks. You got to do what you got to do. Our final four picks might include these exact same teams. I'm just surprised 
there weren't really anybody who was going out on a limb for a team outside of those top two, because uh, I don't expect the parity we had last year, but I, I think the story of college basketball this year is going to be, there's like 10 to 12 teams we think are really, really good. And I, I don't think those teams between five and 12 are that far behind where Duke or Kansas is right now. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't, I want to refrain from extremely scorching, absolutely fiery ass hot takes, but that, but, but saying that that's exactly what I'm about to do right now. If I could get some, a good plus value odds, right. On a team winning the ACC. I don't know if I'm, I don't know, like if Duke is just going to cakewalk and win the ACC. And I scorched earth, your scorched earth. Like I think UNC finishes ahead of Duke in the ACC. You, you're really buying the Tar Heels, which is something for sure. Um, I don't hate it. Like I think North Carolina is going to be good. Here's my scorched earth. I think I'm going one step beyond you. If I could get plus money odds right now, the Duke and Kansas don't make the final four. I would take it. <laughs> I don't think those two teams are that far ahead of the rest of this. And look, it probably is on paper more likely at least one of them does, but I do think there's real concerns. There's, there's so many mouths to feed on Duke. They have an abundance of riches. We know, but they weren't an elite team that was ahead of everybody in college basketball last year. We don't know how healthy flip is. And we don't know if Tyrese Proctor is actually going to be the top five player in the country that a lot of people think he is. It's still Jeremy Roach with the ball in his hands, in my opinion, for that team. And Kansas, I, I've said it enough times. I have questions about who the face of that team is and if the face of that team can actually be the face of a great team. And if you want to write me off and say I'm hating because that's a guy that left my team, you can make the same claims about Dewan Harris. You can. And I know you and I are both high on Dewan Harris, but um, it, I just don't, I don't view those two as have having separation from the pack and the results of these experts who I really respect the opinions of seems to have clear separation from the pack. I think that's a mistake. And I think it's one that as the season goes on, we'll correct pretty quickly. Cause I, I think Purdue and Michigan state are going to merge as awesome right away. Yeah. I think with, like you said, before we started the segment, before we started this segment with the, with the, strength of the teams that are like in the top 10, the strength of the teams that are the best in the country. I thought there'd be a little bit more parity on who is making the final four and like who is winning it. Like I thought it'd be like, let's say out of 12 people, you know, four Kansas, you know, three Michigan state couple Duke, and then like mix in some, a Yukon or someone even going out even more outside the box, like a Creighton shout out to Creighton Creighton podcast. Uh, I just thought it'd be a little bit more parody right now and uh, making our hypothetical bets if it's Duke or Kansas. And obviously that'd be a, a plus odds picking two teams or picking the field. I would 100% hammer the field. And that this isn't to say there wasn't some parody because like Tennessee, Arizona, Arkansas, Texas, Florida, Atlantic, Houston, Yukon, St. Mary's got votes to make a final four. They each got one vote. I just... I am surprised there wasn't more differentiation at the very top. Okay. I don't think this is what that's hilarious because the same people that don't want to put Purdue in it 
are put are picking a Rick Barnes team to go to the Final Four. Purdue's in there more than those teams. They're not. They're okay. not messing up massively on Purdue. That Purdue okay. got four. Purdue got four votes to make the Final Four. One vote to win it all. So five of the twelve experts had Purdue in the Final Four. It's gotcha. just okay. it, it's about who wins it, and that's where I'm like, wow, I'm surprised there's so much Duke in Kansas. And look, if you flip two of Duke's votes to Purdue then this looks totally different. Then you got Kansas with four, three for Purdue, two for Michigan State, three for Duke. That feels like more what I would expect. I think those four teams are all deserving of picks to win it all right now. Instead, it, it feels much more of like Duke, Kansas. And maybe maybe part of that is that they don't trust Big Ten teams, Cart. Like, I, I wouldn't say they're wrong to, to my expert national college basketball friends if they're saying, hey, I'm not picking a Big Ten team to win it. It's the Big Ten. I would say that's a good move based on the last 20 years. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I got distracted. But the the duo question really set the group off. And I just peeked over just now just to see. How, what, what do we was. got? How's it going? I mean, people are going at it right now. What do we got? How's it going? I mean, it's 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 exactly what you expect. Like, why are people, why are we dying on the Braden Smith Hill? Why are we caping for Braden Smith? So everybody's out on Braden Smith? I think everyone's just in on RJ Davis being better than Braden Smith. What's the break? Like, is it 80%? Not a math podcast, but is it 80% everybody's saying they take the Carolina duo over Edie? It's probably like 90. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. You take the national player of the year, man. These like how how good are RJ Davis and Armando Baycott really? They missed the tournament last year. There was, also a Doug, there was also a Doug and uh, Olivier shout in there. Who gave that? <laughs> Goody. Oh, goodness. <laughs> goodness. Um, I might need back in that group chat. But I'm not, I'm not asking to be added. But I might need it. <laughs> I, might, <laughs> I might need to be back in. Oh, my bad. Didn't see you there. You've been finding the, a void in your life, something that you need a sense of community, a sense of want, a sense of being there. What better place than to join the Sleepers Media Discord where we have a community, we have discussions, we have engagements, and we have betting advice in there. For anyone who wants to get into that betting world, we are more than happy to be your betting Obi-Wan Kenobi and lead you to the greatness of maybe greener pastures and more money. But for the small price of $9.99, if you join on the web, don't join on mobile, join on the web. You can join Sleepers Media Discord and you can have the safety and the beauty of being able to talk to me and Greg at any time you want. And we are active in the Discord. So I don't know what you're waiting for. Join the Discord, Sleepers Media, $9.99 on the web. Do it now. A big time recruit committed yesterday, Jaleel Bethea has committed to Miami. He is hurricane bound. He is the highest rated recruit in the history of Miami basketball to commit to Miami. Seventh national ranked prospect, five-star according to 24-7. He had offers from Kansas, from Villanova, from Alabama, uh, among many others who expressed interest in Jaleel. Uh, I love the little I've seen on Jaleel. You're my high school expert. You're the guy I go to for recruiting stuff. I just watch some highlights whenever I can. If there's live play, I'll watch it. I've not seen him live. I've only watched highlights. I think he looks like a monster and has the profile of a, a one-and-done, impactful guy in college. What do you think of Jaleel? Is this a good move to Miami? And what do you think of him in general? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. This dude is an explosive scorer. 
of the basketball. Like he can score from all three levels. He he's smart too. He's not like a shot chuck. He's not a volume guy. He's just a pure scorer. And I honestly love his fit too with Miami. I think that, you know, you have the combination of explosive score, uh, the system that Larry Nega runs, like think about like the high usageness of Isaiah Wong and this upcoming year, probably the high usage of, of Nigel Pack. You put a more talented guy than those two coming in, to that same system. I think that this Miami team could be very special. Um, also with a little bit of life wallet sprinkled in on that. And it's not just Jaleel Bethea for this team. Like this Miami team has been picking up extreme like steam recruiting wise uh, for the, uh, for the 2024 recruiting class. They currently have the fifth best class right now. And in the last two weeks, they've secured a top hundred kid and a top 40 kid. So you know, Larinaga's still doing his thing. You know, they got the bag down there in Miami. They got the allure of Miami and playing in, in, for the Hurricanes. But I think that he has the ability to have a really, really special freshman year and like a one-and-done type year with his scoring ability. So he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I am personally excited to watch it because I don't want to watch him go to Nova and ruin his career. Okay, come on. Uh, explosive is the word that comes to mind. I think you, you just said it. So I'm basically just taking the word out of your mouth, but the highlights I watched, I'm like, damn, he's a guard. Like that's, that's how I felt watching him. I think he's going to be really, really good. And I also want to go on record and say that if I were a recruit, Miami would be very high on my list of schools. I'm interested in, I think Larinaga is awesome. I love everything about him. I love the whole fake dollar bill move he did last year or like pulled the dollar out of the sidelines. Like it, clearly that's a program that has a lot of resources right now. If you're a player, you love that. It's great weather. It's great gear. It's great swag. It's great basketball right now. Like Larinaga has been putting talent on the floor. And even if they're not dominant during the season, like these teams are always a threat to overachieve in March. Uh, they've got fun players players that want to come back to school that couldn't like, it feels like everywhere else in the country, people are looking to leave it. No, people are looking to go to Miami. That's the destination school right now. And I think they deserve a ton of credit for how they're maximizing this. Like the final four last year was fantastic, obviously, but I think they're here to stay, man. Like, I, I don't think this was like a flash in the pan. How did they make the final four? Jaleel Bethea is a dude and they got other dudes next to him. And you combine those dudes in recruiting with the 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 chops they're going to be able to have in the transfer portal too. Yeah. Like you combine that recruiting with that type of NIL and steam and momentum this this team has and then you bring that to the transfer portal, you know, the next season, you can put together a really really damn good team and Jaleel Bethea is a building block piece for a great team. Yeah. I've always done this too. You've made fun of me for it, but uh, I swear I can tell you whether or not a player is going to be boom or bust based on their headshot on their ESPN profile. Jaleel Bethea will be one of the three best guards in the country <laughs> Head, headshot alone. I have uh, this is he's probably like if I did percentile rankings for every five star recruit in the last 20 years, Bethea's headshot is like a 99 percenter. He's I don't I and it's not just the high like this dude. There's no way this dude's not an who, NBA guard. Who's who started that like headshot narrative? 
Uh, th- there was like, one. Who, who, who's on the Mount? Who's on the Mount Rushmore of like headshots that you knew they were going to be a guy and ended up being a guy? It started on the opposite end of the spectrum because it was like. I remember there was a recruit that hadn't hit college yet. And I was just like, there's no way this guy's a good college basketball player. Just based on a headshot alone. And he busted. And I was like, wait a second, this might actually tell me something. This is a little theory. I got to remember who it is. I'll, uh, I'll actually dig back through like some ESPN class profiles right now. Cause that's the easiest way to do it, but I'll get you an example before this episode ends. Okay. That, that'd that be great. But yeah, uh, I'm just saying it right now whenever we're recording for the 2024 season, the amount of good things and hype and Jaleel Bethea jersey I'll probably have will be monumental by that time. Yeah, 100%. I wholeheartedly agree. All right, let's pivot to football. Um, Big football week. Big time football week. We love it. We're excited for it. We've already said we have the newsletter out, Sleepers Bets. 14 different against the spread plays this year. Some overlap, which is a good thing. Hashtag aligned is a good thing when Carter and I individually see the board the same way. Uh, And then some fun stuff too. Like I I put together a fade every coach that's considering Michigan State play that that I really (laughs) like. And uh, a long shot parlay, of course, as well, that could win $20,000. But we don't have to just do betting. What are you most excited for this college football week? Hmm. You know, I'm trying to think because there's so many games on there that I'm actually really excited for. Obviously, the Dion versus Colorado, or sorry, the Dion versus Oregon, Colorado versus Oregon game is going to be electric. Um, and one thing I pointed out in my newsletter write up that I feel very confident about is I don't think people are looking at what this Colorado team does when they're doubted. They got like they have they want that chip, like they had the chip coming into the season. And everyone thought they were going to get blown out by TCU. And they went into TCU and made noise. And the, everyone is saying this Oregon team is going to run them off the field and do all this and do all that. And the coach to start the season said, why would we worry about Colorado in the Pac-12? When have they ever done anything to affect our conference in any way? They they need that chip. And obviously they had the the chip with the coach at Colorado State saying something. But that game was so dirty and messy and just nasty. Like they just had to find a way to get out of there with a win. And they were able to go 99 yards to do so with no time left. So this Colorado team is a lot better than people give them credit for. And honestly, just from a personal standpoint, I'm sick of people just waiting on Dion's downfall. It's 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 kind of nasty. Like, why are you just week to week just waiting on this team to fail there were i've never seen so many colorado state fans that i saw last week people talk about how everyone's a bandwagon colorado buffaloes fan good lord did not know there was that many colorado state rams football fans out there that's that's on me for not knowing that so i i think it's fun i think he's great for college football and i'm sick of people waiting on his downfall so, yeah, it, it is nasty behavior i'm going to save some dion thoughts for my one big thing uh spoiler alert but Okay. Um, I, I'm like, very you're excited. giving me, you're giving me 21 points and Shadur Sanders at quarterback. I, I feel good about that. I'm curious what the line would have been without or, or with Travis Hunter. Do you think that's like a four point swing? Probably three. I probably three. think it gets bet, down to what? 18 and a half, 17 and a half. I'm going to say, I bet it goes to like 17 and a half with him. Um, that's the only thing that's like giving me reservation there. But again, like you said, I think Shadur is good enough that you just get over it. Um, I I'm really excited for Notre Dame 
Ohio State. And this is one of our two plays together in the newsletter if you want our full take on that. But um, I I think both these teams are identical in talent. That's sort of my take from watching them this far, except for at the most important position where Notre Dame has a stone-cold serial killer. Like, he's Dexter if he played football. That's how I feel. Like, he's handsome and he scares me. And then Ohio State has like somebody they openly weren't sure if he's the guy and he hasn't played great. And then like midway through his first game, they tried the backup and the backup was literally peeing down his leg. So we had to go back to McCord. Like I just, I don't think there's any confidence there. I don't think Ohio state even believes in McCord. I don't think McCord believes in himself is my honest take. McCord McCord is Matt Saracen before he got his confidence. Seriously. I think he's going to show up and this is going to be a night game with all the cameras, all the eyes on you. You see touchdown Jesus behind you. Like, I think he's going to be terrified. And this is kind of a statement win for, or not, I shouldn't give him a win already. It's a statement game for Marcus Freeman, who obviously underwhelmed last year. Um, And I think there were a lot of doubts of like, is he actually the guy or not? We got to give him more time. But this year, I mean, getting Hartman was so critical, but the, the other guys around Hartman too, look like they've taken huge steps forward from where they were last year. So yeah. I'm really excited for that. It's rare. I feel like it's rare we get a non-conference game of two brand name programs that both are sort of in the national title hunt, but you really have questions with both still. Like, did Notre Dame actually get over the hump yet? And is Ohio State's quarterback any good? We don't know yet until tonight. Yeah, and and you know, credit to Notre Dame last year. They were obviously had the very rough start to the year. But then they bounced back with a big win at home against Clemson, where they were huge underdogs in that game, and they ended up dogging them. So, uh, you know, I really like this Notre Dame team at home. They have a lot of weapons. Sam Hartman is better than McCord, and you're getting points, which is crazy to me. Yeah, very, uh, very interested for that game. Any other games you want to call out just as, like, worth talking about? Uh, just because I'm a Utah football fan, UCLA is traveling to Utah to play. Uh, Dante Moore, true freshman quarterback, actually from the Detroit area, uh, has been playing extremely well for UCLA. And this will be like his first big first big game and is on the road at Utah, which is like a raucous environment. Interested to see like what he does. Um, one of the other things I mentioned in the newsletter is that when you're looking for like the young quarterbacks or the quarterbacks that are first kind of with their teams, I'm looking at Dante Moore and I'm like, that kid has the type of confidence and game that he could be like an MF or go into an opposing team's arena, have that moment, like have that moment where we're looking at next year. We're like, remember what Dante Moore did last year on the road at Utah when everyone thought, Oh, this little freshman can't come here and do that. Like he's Dante Moore, the quarterback that's not going to piss down his leg in my eyes. McCord, on the other hand, I think he might be pissing down his leg a little bit looking at touchdown Jesus. So I'm very interested to see that game. I don't know if Cam Rising is going to be playing yet, but the fact that Utah has been able to get to this point also, uh, just being 4-0 or 3-0 and at this point without their star quarterback has been impressive. They are a really good football team. So I'm pretty excited to see that that game. Yeah, I like that call out too. DJ Moore is awesome. Um or not DJ Moore, sorry. Dante Moore. Dante Moore, Jesus. I've been off with that. I called Ryan Nemhard RJ in that clip last night that went viral. Shout out to Viral Cat, by the way. Um, which, by the way, I'm standing on record. You can quote me on this. That was an intentional RJ. 
That was that was an intentional joke, Ryan Jr., because he's a junior. He's the brother. I know it is. You know, yeah, that's playing to me. I just say I want to get that on record as I botch another name here. Uh yeah, great, great week. This is like like what do you think? Looking ahead, like after this week, I know it depends on the results, but like, what do you think we learn after this week? Because I feel like this is going to be one of those weeks where it's like things completely shift one way or the no- uh, another in multiple ways. Like we're going to know if Michigan State's actually horrible after this week. We're going to know if Michigan's actually not as good as we think after this this game against Rutgers. Yeah, we're. I think we're going to know if Florida State's going to make the college football playoff. I like that. After this week. Yeah, you don't think there's another threat in ACC play? No, I think if they get past Clemson at Clemson, I think I'm gonna I, I'm picking them to go to college football playoff. See, I think I think even if they beat Clemson, and I think they will beat Clemson, shot at the newsletter. I think uh, I think they will blow one somewhere else. Hmm. Okay. I think we learn if Alabama is actually good, and I have my suspicions they are not. I, I guess if you want to throw it in, th- this week you're going to learn if some programs, maybe historic programs in college football, are are maybe dead this season. Like, you know if, this Al- if Alabama loses, dead this season. Clemson loses, dead this season. Like, there's a couple teams that can figure out where they're at. You know what this is, Cart? This is a find the frauds week. That's what this week is in college football. Like, I have my suspicions. I think Wisconsin might stink. They've been letting Georgia Southern and Buffalo hang around midway through the third quarter. Didn't even have a chance in any or in their one true road game. They went to Washington State and wire to wire were losing. Now they're on the road against a Purdue team who isn't great. But if Wisconsin's the frauds, I think they might be. They're losing that football game. Alabama, I'm looking at you. Everybody told me, everybody told me this is Nick Saban. It's a bounce back year. I was buying it. I thought Milrow was going to be the guy. That whole little cute little experiment you did last week. Cute little, ooh, Tommy Reese, go ahead, play whoever you want. Play your guy. How'd that go? Didn't go well, did it? I think there's lasting effects from that this week, Card. I think they're they're going back home and they got the guy back under center. But how's the team supposed to trust that? I think they could be frauds. I think they could lose this game to Ole Miss Cart. I think Ohio State could be frauds. I think they could get exposed on the road in a in a huge environment against a team with a killer, with a guy who will literally murder you in cold blood and throw seven touchdowns while you let him. Like, Ohio State could lose by 26 in this game, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if McCord throws six picks. So it's a find the frauds week for me, Cart. I think we're going to have at least three teams – that are historically good programs that after this week, we're like, nope, they're bad this season. It is what it is. It's not changing. And I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Can't wait. All right. One big thing. Uh, You want to do your word of the day first or after the one big thing? Oh, we can do it after. Okay. I don't, I don't have a good feel on your word of the day today at all. I'm just saying, what's your one big thing presented by Bigby? Oh, well, can you go first? Because I actually did not think of my one big thing. I was so focused on my word. Yeah, did not think of my one big thing yet. Yep. So I uh, I stayed up last night until one in the morning, which by transitive parent property means I stayed up till five in the morning. Uh, that's far too late for me these days, and I'm paying I'm paying the price this morning. Anyways, stayed up that entire time. All I was doing was watching Deion Sanders videos. 
I watched interviews. It started with his Taylor Rooks interview, which was fantastic. Then I realized this man did 60 minutes last week. Then I realized this man did good morning America last week. This man's everywhere. And I love every second of it. I want to say a few things about him because I've talked about my love for Deion Sanders in the past. I write about how I'm going to bet on him every single weekend. I just got to say this. I'm a guy who loves a coach that is real. And I, there's nothing more. I love a coach than like he, he's not playing a character. He is who he is. And I know that's backwards because Dion literally invented a character for himself. That's part of his whole story. But like the things Dion says, I believe through my heart and soul and my bones that he's being honest and he actually believes these things. And he like, he talks about, he's not going to lie to kids. He's going to be truthful. That's why he went into that room of a one in 11 football team and said, if you're not ready to change everything, get out. Like he got criticized for that. He was honest because he he's not going to sign up to coach a one in 11 football team again. And he didn't kick people out, but he urged them that they have to make changes or things are going to change for them. And I give him credit for the honesty. I give him credit for the transparency, the rawness. I had no idea how good he was as an athlete, Cart. Like, obviously, I knew he was a great football player. I knew he played dual sports. Do you know how good and how dominant this guy was at two sports at once? Oh, yeah. People talk about how impressive Michael Jordan was that he played baseball. Like, Michael Jordan stunk at baseball. Dion was actually a generational athlete. Like, Dion was good at baseball. Dude, this guy went eight for 15 as a hitter in the World Series and played two NFL games at the same time. Like, I can't even process that. He's literally a starter and one of the better players on the Atlanta Braves in the World Series, swiping bases, getting on base. And meanwhile, he's an all-pro defensive back right down the street for the Falcons concurrently like they let him do both because he's that good at both i had no idea like i thought it was just like oh like i dabble in baseball a little for the brand like no he was one of the better baseball players in the league for like a decade at the same time he played football and kept making pro bowls i just think this guy i think this guy is the best athlete who's ever lived now that i've seen more and i've seen the way he plays and the joy he brings to his life and if i had grown up in the Deion sanders era he would have been my guy. I would have I would have bought every jersey. I would have believed in everything he said. I would have taken elements of how he is as a person and tried to apply them to how I've coached high school sports. Like I love Deion Sanders. That's not going to change if he loses to Oregon by 60 this week. But I think they're going to win this football game. I'm buying what he's selling. I think it's real. And I think there's power in that. And I'm rooting for him. And I hope everybody in the country starts rooting for him before it's too late. That was moving, and I feel completely in on whatever you just said. But, I, I mean, I, on the Taylor Rooks interview, do you remember the line he said? Like, this isn't my – what he said? This isn't my moment. This is – He said, I'm not a moment. Mo- I'm a monument. Like, come on. That's that's not a bar. Like, what is – like, come on. I woke my wife up to tell her that last night. <laughs> Literally, she was asleep next to me in bed. I said, you got to hear this. It's incredible, man. It truly is. All right. Well, for my one big thing today, uh, I decided to go with my updated three people I don't trust list. So I I usually keep a list in my phone. I know you keep like nine notes or 10 notes in your phone. I like keeping a one solid note 
just reminding myself of people I don't trust. And it changes from time to time, but it kind of remains the same for the most part. Um, Three, people that wear shorts when it's below 40 degrees out, they'll forever remain on that list. Two, people who use Google Pixel phones. And then one, and they've been at this number one power ranking for probably about four months now, but people who eat Gardettos. (laughs) Explain the Gardettos one. I didn't expect that. That's crazy. I just can't believe that. God and whatever higher power puts you on this earth and you have a chance to get any chip and you're picking Gardettos. Isn't it just a slightly worse checks mix? Do you hate checks mix? Do not hate, do not hate checks mix, but Gardettos is absolutely God awful. What's the difference between checks mix and Gardettos? Well, I also don't like plain checks mix. I need like hot checks mix or like the sweet and spicy one or cheddar. Okay. All right, I might be a person you don't trust. I'm not a Gardettos guy, for the record, but I I have see I did see you get Gardettos on a trip once on uh, our Big Ten road show. I don't I'm eat Gardettos. Sure I don't eat Gardettos. I've I've never had Gardettos. Does Mal eat Gardettos? I don't know. I don't think so. Those the Gardettos have not ever been a thing in our house. Okay, ever. that's what, and I feel safe with you. I was talking about shorts though. I like I I've, I've been known to wear shorts. Not under forty degrees. I've been known to wear shorts year round. That's crazy. Listen, I like if I'm going to coach in a gym in the winter, I'm I'm gonna be in shorts in the gym, and I'm not a like put a coat on guy. Like if I if I need to go somewhere, I'm gonna wear what I'm gonna wear when I get there. I'm not like adding extra layers for the transportation of getting there. I don't do that. See, yeah, we're we're just never gonna be on the same page on that. That's wild. My car's got heat. I got heated seats. I'm not poor. Like. Are, are we telling me we're really we're too privileged to be able to spend 12 seconds outside 30 degree weather without pants and a coat on like come on grow up i want better for you one day you'll learn all right fun episode today uh tomorrow uh, we haven't talked to him i don't want to make him feel like we're kicking him off his own day but we have a riley davis replacement uh because i think riley should be having a baby tomorrow like right like right now maybe. or now he told me earlier this week i just like checked in like how are things going he was like i think it's gonna happen friday so if that's if he's mentally preparing for his baby to be born on a riley friday we're not gonna ask him to podcast with us in the middle of that so uh good luck to riley davis and family i uh, hope everybody enjoyed this episode we will be back tomorrow for a riley friday with a riley davis replacement that i'm very excited about enjoy we'll see you tomorrow